welcome to episode 235 of the Customer Support Leaders Podcast. I'm Charlotte Ward. Today, welcome Jason Yoon for a fireside chat. I'd like to welcome to the podcast for the very first time, Jason Yoon. Jason, it's lovely to have you. This is the second time we talked because we met last night for the first time and we had such a lovely conversation. So I know what we're going to talk about in a minute. And I'm very excited because it kind of follows on from a conversation I had a couple of weeks back with Ethan Wolfish, right? Before we talk about the topic, would you like to introduce yourself? Of course, and Charlotte, thank you so much for inviting me here. So excited to chat. Uh, loved our conversation yesterday, so I'm just enthusiastic here. Uh, but yes, uh, my name is Jason Yoon. You know, I spent the last 10 years doing support, and to be honest, was never expected to happen. Uh, you know, I think with my background, grew up, I'm a biochemist, did research, worked in the healthcare field, and I realized it just wasn't my match. And so mm-hmm. fortunately, I managed to get into support by accident, you know, really took that interest in wanting to help people. And then it, it kind of shifted because it, it didn't go to, you know, a clear, I need to help people with their health, but more people have questions and challenges and how can I actually be a part of fixing that? And then it became a part of how can I advocate for that? But then maybe I don't want to be the person doing this anymore. I want people who are just training and managing, supporting the people doing this. And then that scale just keeps growing and growing and growing to the part where it became a part where I was like, hey, I want to build a support engine. I want to build this customer experience <laughs> and safeguard yeah. and do the right things and really become the advocate, not just for my community of users, but also my support teams. Um, mm. And then kind of got to the point where was doing it, loving it. And then I realized there's a lot of challenges that we face where we're not getting solutions on the technology side of things. And so that really inspired mm-hmm. me and my co-founder last year and a half to actually create products for support teams, for, for these frontline teams to really help them what they want to do and do it well. Mm, nice, nice. Um, I love this story because when when you said, hey, I, 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 I could come chat to you. I really, I really want to come and talk and see what this podcast thing is all about. Um, I had a quick scoot around your background. And as you say, all of the healthcare stuff just like instantly went ding, 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 because I just talked to Ethan. Um, but what you brought to me as a topic for tonight's conversation was really, I, we were very much when I talked to Ethan, it was all like, emergency care, solving the problem, like getting, getting the, the fixes out the door, getting, getting people healthy again from a, from a point of like uh, a kind of emergency, I guess, in, in terms of medical care, but, but also like uh, from a support point of view, it's that like high priority, high stress, solve this problem, get it out the door kind of, that was, that was that conversation. Tell me about this conversation we're about to have. And I do want to remind folks, please listen to that conversation. I thought there were some fantastic tips that mm. Ethan, you kind of divulged it together. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think when I hear about those acute situations, like something's urgent, something's happening, you know, I think oftentimes we're saying, you know, what's the problem, finding it quickly, diagnosing it, solving it, and then moving on. But another side of medicine I, I want to talk about, and that comes from my background, is well, what if things are chronic? Meaning that, hey, these are issues that are happening to somebody but it's not a one-time fix. Maybe there's not a cure. Maybe something you have to treat or manage. And realistically, you know, when we talk about those situations, it's no longer a, hey, here's a problem, let's fix it. No, not like the whole surgical approach of, you know, we have an issue, let's cut it out. Uh, it becomes more of a, a conversation of what type of support within the community? Now, what are we doing to really make sure that we're setting up these individuals for success so that we can make sure that they're managing things well? 
And then the most mm-hmm. important part is like giving the education and support consistently and working with other factors of the community to make sure that they're being led for success as we're continually working with them many times through their lifetime. That, that is really super interesting. And, and, you know, I really love this idea. Like you touched on a few things there, and I know we're going to dive into those uh, over the next maybe 20 minutes or so. But but let's, um, you touched on a couple of, of words that I just think go so hand in hand with support anyway. Community is the obvious one, but care, education, uh, and and like that, that health and lifetime kind of perspective on this is really interesting because we in some ways it begins to stray into customer success but this is a customer support podcast so let's begin there and let's see where the edges blur yeah so so what does what does community care community support look like then sure you know i think so i actually worked at a place called children's hospital los angeles um fantastic fantastic institution and i actually worked for an outpatient clinic under pediatric endocrinology and so those wow. who are not familiar with all those words, when we talk about endocrinology, we're thinking about hormones, you know, we're talking about things with the body. So things like diabetes, type one, type two, maybe things that kind of impact their, their growth and development, things like that. Mm. And, you know, it was really exciting for me being there, you know, both as a clinical researcher, as a medical assistant, you know, kind of going through all those different facets. And when we're working with our patients, working with our kids, it wasn't just their physician that they're working with. They're also working with a team of social workers, nutritionists. Uh, They're Mm. also working with nurse educators. And the idea is that their job as a collective team is figuring out how can we make sure for these challenges that our patients and their families are experiencing and making sure that we're pulling resources from what we also have, but also within the great community. Making Mm. sure that there's, there's a multitude of information available and they're working together because they realize that when someone comes in with a challenge, you know, they have a new diagnosis, it's not so cut and dry. You just can't yeah. be like, here's a shot and here you go. There's so much more effort in educating, also explaining what's happening, also troubleshooting with them. And I yeah. think by doing that, yeah. it allows us to actually build this relationship of trust. And the reason it's, why I think it's, oh, sorry, go ahead, please. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I think um, it's really interesting what you said, because it implies that it's a it's bi-directional, doesn't it? Like you, your information gathering, you're gathering context and background while providing information and education. I think that's really interesting. Absolutely. And, you know, as much as I think on the support side, we, we love to see our customers as tickets and tickets as numbers, mm. but there is this beauty where we have to remember there is a customer story in terms of what made them come to us. Why are they mm. using us? What is happening? And more importantly, like, you know, when I go into a ticket, you know, the one of the biggest things I always recommend or remind folks is this is not a one-off conversation. What have they talked to us in the past about? What else is going on? What have we prescribed and offered? Because at the end of the day, you can't just use the same macro. They'll catch yeah. you on, like, chat on quickly on that one, right? You can't yeah, yeah. just use the old approach when something actually is something new. And so it really mm-hmm. forces us to take a step back and figure out what are we doing for this person and what have we done collectively and making sure that we're still supporting them the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how, how do we ensure that a support professional or indeed a medical professional, if we dive back into that uh, analogy, into that metaphor, um, how do we ensure that? They have all of that context. I mean, it strikes me as something that, you know, if I if I was a frontline support agent, I, I've only got so much time before that. I have to hit the ground running in that conversation. Yeah. I'm not going to sit there and read the, this, this person's medical history. And I think actually it's really an interesting parallel, like when somebody comes in some ways to the emergency room, to allude back to my conversation with Ethan. But 
but you know comes into any care provider in the community whether it's a uh, like some sort of health advisor, whether it's a walking clinic or whether it's the local pharmacy or, uh, you know, a, I don't know, I don't know, any of these kind of classes yeah. or, you know, there's, there's so many, so many places you can go and get medical advice and care. And similarly, when somebody comes to me as a support agent, I don't necessarily a, have access to all of their context, all of their health data and background. Um, and, and B, I definitely don't have time to read it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. You know, I think there's a there's a, a fun couple of studies I saw where there was a lot of red flags about new doctors who were trying to go into communities, serve these patient populations, and they realized they weren't trained on some of the basic fundamentals. And when people were trying to figure mm. out like what happened, and they're like, well, we're training these folks in hospitals. We're not actually training our doctors in the community. They're not meeting mm. these individuals. They're not understanding their problems. I think very similar to support. If we kind of put the blind sides on our agents being like, hey, these are the 10 problems. This is what you have to do to solve them. We then kind of forget the realm of what else could they be touching? We kind of also forget what else could the customer be experiencing? Because mm. at that point, we're not asking the leading questions. We're not mm. trying to make sure that all the boxes are checked. We're just more like, hey, here's that one problem you flagged for me. And that's all I'm going to focus on. And yeah. so really the training comes to, I think to your point, it's not about training individuals uh, for support to be like, you know, read everything. I think the biggest part is how well do you understand your user as a general community and how well do you understand your product? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. You, so do you think this is like more about immersion in that community, that product? Absolutely. Because I think the biggest thing that I want to make sure that people take in this conversation is that you always have to question, did you build trust? Did you build mm. your trust between your customer base, your support team, and more importantly, your support team to your management leadership? Because at mm. the end of the day, if we're not there providing the right information, the right updates, the right protocols to really deliver to our teams, but also listening back, what are they experiencing? What's not working for them? What are mm. some great suggestions and ideas? Then we're really not solving anything, right? It's more of that spinning wheel of problem, problem now, as opposed to what are we doing to actually process improve? You know, what can we do to make things more efficient and more effective for the experience? Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I and and I think like experience is definitely a big part of it, isn't it? You know, it, it's um the 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 trust comes with, as you said, like providing the right answers, <laughs> like actually like being being accurate in the information you give. Um, but I think that there is, you know, also in order, like this is a ridiculous statement to make, but but in order to provide correct answers, you you as a as a service provider, you need training, you need experience, you need time to soak up that context and immerse yourself. Um, but but what else is there? I feel like there's more to trust than just being accurate with our customers. You know, I, I think the biggest part, and I, I'm reflecting more on my experience at Lyft and Instacart. For context, Lyft is this amazing rideshare platform in the U.S. and actually also, I believe, also in Canada and other places. Mm-hmm. And also for Instacart, which focuses on on-demand grocery delivery, you know, we are actually responsible for supporting, in addition to passengers and customers, the drivers and the shoppers there. And the most important thing that I really learned is that you're right. It's not just about giving the answer. But I also feel like it was that that point of humanizing. I understand this is frustrating. Like the mm. fact that, you know, you're mentioning that you are literally waiting outside and your customer is missing. You have obligations. 
And, you know, here we are trying to work with them saying this is the policy, but I think the biggest part that we also have to figure out is, well, what are we going to do to make sure that we address the situation, but then also what are we doing to circle back to solve this in the future? And Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that I learned was that you always have to go back and make sure that there is a process change that you create because of that. Yeah, I'd be telling both the agent, but also the the people impacted. They have full right to know that if I'm saying, hey, like I hear you and I want to make things better, I need to go back to them. And really yeah. make sure that we're showing them that because then from there, not only did I you know show that, you know, I'm doing my job. <laughs> I think the other piece is building that trust mm. of, Hey, give me that feedback. I want to hear this. I need to see this. So we can really make sure that we're learning from this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really important to loop back. Um, and I think that um, I think doing that enough times to an individual customer is great. That customer is going to build that trust in you very quickly. But mm-hmm. I think there's a visibility point to it as well, isn't there? If you're if you're in a community environment, literally in a community environment yep. or a social environment, providing some sort of support or education, then then being seen to follow up is is just as important. Actually, I think exactly. And I think another thing, and you know, we talked about this yesterday, was how. It's not these bimodal relationships of users. It's it's a bigger community. Like so, for instance, when we talk about let's say Instacart or Lyft. Not only do we have these consumers and these contractors who are really helping to create a service, but we're also working with government agencies, right? Mm-hmm. We're working with companies. We're working with these other partnerships. And as much as I think many times people you know would like to think that they're you know illusionary, don't exist, they're also there. And they're really relying on people to be accountable and doing the right thing, right? And so I think the fact of us understanding, but also being able to educate and really understand, well, what is each person's part? And more importantly, what is the impact that we have? Like, what do we truly do? Because I think as much as we focus on the positive, there are negative things that could happen that could destroy everything, right? And we can see those in a lot of those, you know, various court battles that we've seen in the past. But the reality is that in order for there to be progression, Everyone has to acknowledge, well, who is a part of the system? What do they do? And then how to just make sure that we're really educating, working together to the right resolution. Yeah, yeah. How each of those agencies or, or stakeholders interlock with each other and what what, right. they, what they have agency over. Yeah, absolutely. Right. This, this puts me in mind of, you know, those, um, again, going back to the medical kind of field and care in the community. It puts me in mind of these very collaborative like say neighborhood efforts or or social mm-hmm. efforts on a, in a you know particular zone where the healthcare provider teams up with the the local pharmacy teams up with maybe government agencies teams up with charities and teams up with even actually like local neighborhood uh residents and right. improves the situation for a group of people um and and that's what this feels like to me a bit. This this kind of support in some ways feels like I, identifying all of the interlocking parts and bringing them together around a common cause. And I think that that common cause is, is something that can be very visible. And I, I think that's what I'm taking from what you're saying. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, for many of us in support, it, it's so easy to forget that relationship. Right. And I think, you know, I think we have like the stereotypical story of, you know, we're the ones who are smiling, happy to get a call and kind of moving mm-hmm. through it. But then we're like quickly going to have to write our notes and move to the next case. Right. Like yeah. we don't get a chance to breathe and reflect, but we have to remember that with our frontline teams, especially there are the ones where the more context that we can create, the more relationships that we can create and define, not within just their user base, but also the people around them, the more that empowerment comes. And, you know, I think taking a step back, you know, if, you know, just like 
a new patient seeing a new service, same thing with community seeing a new service. No one trusts these things off the bat, right? Yeah. I think, and especially customer service, they're going to say, hey, it's your job to try to make me feel good about something as opposed to actually solving things. And so, you know, I think when I reflect on, well, what are things that we can take from a community-based approach? Like, how do we like create this spirit of community into our support teams to make sure that we can move things forward? I think there are three things that people should always question. The first part is, does your team have context? Are you educating your teams to really understand what they're saying, why they're saying it? What is that protocol process? Do they actually understand it as opposed to saying, here are the steps? Um, the mm-hmm. second part is, do they understand their impact? You know, do they understand what they're providing? What is happening? What can they physically do to really understand, well, what, what's my part of the ecosystem? And then I think the third piece, which is the most important piece, is accountability. Do people understand what we do has that impact when we do? And then more importantly, do we as leaders see the accountability within ourselves? Are we doing the right things in terms of how we're servicing our policies or protocols? Are we doing the right things in how we're communicating things? Because if we're not, then there was no point to any of this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that. Um, and I, I think I think that the understanding, like that context is... It's so often missed. Like we, we do, as you've said, that first item you you you, you gave there, um, we've alluded to a couple of times in this conversation. It's so easy to fall back on a macro and just think that we're empowering our agents by giving them the answers to pass on. And and yep. we aren't. We aren't. Um and and if you give your agents a deeper level of empowerment and agency over the care they can provide then the accountability that you talk about there has to follow, doesn't it? Exactly. And really, when you provide guidelines, the whole intention is that they're guidelines. You're giving Mm -hmm. them space to really be creative and try to problem solve as opposed to saying, this is what I have to do. And I think as leaders, you know, we're so busy. Things are constantly changing. We're, We're really struggling to figure out how do we communicate these to our teams when there's 20 different things going on and things are moving on. We have to remember that we need to calm down. We have to calm down, take a breath. And remember, we're all going to this weird world of digital communication. Now, I think Mm. we've lost that physical touch that we're so used to. And so it's so important that we take a step back and really reflect, are my methods appropriate? I mean, does it make mm. sense to pin something in Slack and add here and, and throw emojis and assume that people are seeing it, right? Does it make sense for me to say, here's you know a 15-slide mm. deck and that's more than enough for your training, right? We really need to make sure and really <laughs> yeah. go back to our community and say, hey, is this effective? What are your questions? What are other things that I can address that can really support you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think like as a leader, you cannot be an extra point of escalation. You definitely have to be the one that actually brings things down a notch or two (laughs) like you are you are like in this constant kind of again back to weirdly back to the medical field like this constant kind of yellow jacket mode aren't you it's like you're and everyone brings everything to you but you have to calm it down and yeah appreciate everything and like loop back around on everything exactly yeah exactly and i've I've gone through so many charts for uh, one of my studies and it was always great because what i got to see is you know we have the physician going through seeing what's happening giving the recommendations through all the entire team and you're able to see how each team member doesn't matter if it's a social worker or the nutritionist Mm. they're all having their different tactics they're like hey this is the general what we're agreeing to i'm going to do my piece to make sure things are effective and making sure i'm also supporting everything else and I think that's the same idea that we have here, right? Like as yeah. a manager, we're saying this is what I need you to do. And we're asking our team members to kind of work within what are the lines, but again, supporting each other 
um, but also giving freedom to ask questions back saying, Hey, I don't think that this is appropriate. I think we should try this other approach and that willingness to actually make those adjustments for the sake of the patient, in this case, the customer, I think Mm. is the best feeling that we can offer. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jason. This has been super interesting and a great follow-on from the emergency care that I was talking about with Ethan a few weeks ago. Um, and I just think there's so many interesting topics here around how how all of those interlocking parts fit together, how you have agency over your bit, but how it has to be part of the whole. I I, I really like that. Um, it's given me a lot of food for thought for, for going back into work tomorrow. I can tell you that. <laughs> Thank you so much for the time. Love this conversation. Thank you so much, Jason. Do come back and have another chat with me at some point, won't you? Sounds lovely. That's it for today. Go to customersupportleaders.com forward slash 235 for the show notes. And I'll see you next time.